You're listening to the AID Network. Good morning, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Comment Below on the AID Network. I want to let you know that today we talk exclusively about Game of Thrones, not only the series finale, season eight, but the voyage, the journey that we went on with these characters for the last eight seasons and what, 74, 75 episodes. So it's a Game of Thrones only episode with Connie, Sean, and myself. Wanted to give you a heads up in case you haven't seen the finale or you're still working through the series. Get on top of it. When you're done, come back, break the glass, and this conversation will be waiting for you. But just because Game of Thrones is over doesn't mean the fun is on comment below. All summer long, we're going to be playing the summer movie game, as well as a brand new fun series of episodes where we pick one series, one movie, one franchise, one actor, one actress, and go on deep dives, breaking down the pieces, the parts of how these stories were told and the creativity and the art form behind it all. You hear that by showing up each and every week over at the AID.network to find the newest episode of Comment Below. And if you're having fun listening to creatives talk about pop culture and how we enjoy it as fans, but also as creators, make sure you please tell a friend or leave a positive comment wherever you're listening to the show today. Available on 10 different podcast platforms, we need your help to help the show grow and to keep it around for a long time to come. What do you say we get started with our deep dive looking at last night's series finale and eight great years of Game of Thrones. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, or shall I say, ladies and gentlemen of the six kingdoms, right? We are sitting down. We are having our post Game of Thrones series finale wrap up. We've been spending eight seasons, about 10 years with this cast of characters, a big cast of characters. And on the show today, I have some of my favorite cast of characters, Madame Knight Collinsworth. <laughs> How are you doing, Mark? Knights Collinsworth of Dixieland. <laughs> I'll take that title. And Trash Bucket Melty Soggy. Sean of Snicket. Sean of the broke, the broken Sean. Is oh, that what he's look be? at this! Look at this! <laughs> Snicket is not at the council meeting. Well, hopefully he'll come in soon by way of ship or dragon. But Connie, while we wait for our melty friend to show up, you and I did some homework yesterday before HBO granted us with the final episode of Game of Thrones, you and I both went over to the YouTube, we went over to the streaming services, and we watched some other series finales. My pick was Six Feet Under, because I literally wanted to watch the greatest 10-minute conclusion to a series of all time. I wanted to see what the bar was at number one, just to remember how that makes you feel, how, how those emotions are when you do it the best. What did you view to get prepared for watching a, a terrific season finale? Well, Six Feet Under would also be my all-time number one pick for how to stick a landing of a TV series. But I then I started thinking about what other shows that were really intricate and involved and had a lot of storylines, what other shows ended well. And I felt great about and I felt satisfied with. And Friday Night Lights was my oh, other pick. Man, oh man. When literally he passes the ball to his wife and says, everything in this relationship has been about me. The family's revolved around me. It's my wife's turn. I, I can play rhythm guitar to your lead now. What a right. fantastic shifting of the narrative. 
Yeah. And, you know, in the episode that also involved the uh, proposal uh, with Matt and Julie and looking at a future marriage and, you know, he has to assess what he thinks a marriage is and then how he's performed in that and look at at the advice he's he's giving to his daughter and her fiance or soon to be fiance about what makes a successful marriage. And, you know, this show, I tell people all the time, they're like, Friday Night Lights, I don't care about football. I'm like, it's football is metaphor in this show. It's it's about everything else that goes on in it. It's you have to you know, you have to understand football to, to like or to watch. If this the show. show was called Dylan, Texas, it would have been more successful because it wasn't enough football for sports fans, but it wasn't enough teen drama for teen drama fans. So whether you come at it from sports or John Hughes, everybody sort of felt confused. And I remember thinking football, it's going to be like at the time that it aired, I was thinking, okay, this show is going to have just a, just be covered with uh, a soundtrack that's full of hip hop. It's going to be very aggro. It's going to be very aggressive. And after it was maybe, I don't know, halfway through the first season, I finally decided to watch one episode when I mistakenly was wrong and found out that they were going to use explosions in the sky as a football floats through the air about 30 seconds longer than it ever will in real world. I was like, this show was handcrafted and made for me. Uh, Friday Night Lights, just like Game of Thrones, big ensemble, lots of different characters, lots of different storylines, sent you to lots of different places. And Six Feet Under was the same way. I, I really thought about Six Feet Under did such a good job of, some people would say that it's hokey to say this is where everybody ends up. Here's the definitive end to everybody's journey. And I have seen that backfire and be horrible, but Six Feet Under did it in a way where it was with purpose and emotion. And I only watched that final scene. So I watched 10 minutes, 18 seconds, I think is what it was. Yeah. I was 90 seconds in, already had tears in my eyes. And my wife was like, you got to put your headphones on. Like, I can't, I can't emotionally start my Sunday morning off with this. Yeah, when you texted me that you had gone back to to take a peek at that, I said, "Yeah, you wanted to refresh and then also have a good cry because if if you're feeling stressed, tense in your life, you've got anxiety going on, and you need that cry release, throw that on. If if you know these characters, it's like your family that you're yep. following to their ends, and it's one of the greatest shows of all time. I would, I you know, I always had that shuffling top five when I think about shows in a different way, like where are things going to fall, but it never falls out of the top three for me. Yeah. It's, it's up there for me too. You know, for me, it's wire Sopranos, Friday night lights, uh, Battlestar Galactica, the reimagined series. And and then probably I put that at, at number five, I probably put six feet under at number five, Battlestar Galactica, the, the reimagined, you know, newer one was just so much better than I ever thought that it could be. And that's a show that really fell apart in the final, final scene. I didn't know what was going on, where they were going. I had to go back and rewatch episodes right after I watched them to go, am I understanding this? Yeah. It, that it got too, it got too out there. So it did not stick its landing at all, but I did enjoy the ride, which is what I'm going to say about Game of Thrones. 
uh, for me, but we're not going to go into that now. But I, I started thinking about the ride as I was watching the finale. Yeah, we're so. waiting for Slimy from House of Trash to show up. And then yeah, I mean, the, the guy in the wheelchair got here faster. So, <laughs> oh. I mean, we will have a guest appearance for one of the cast members today. As you know, I live in Los Angeles and I had one of the cast members come by. So we will have a celebrity stop by on the show this morning. You know, I think, though, and, and you and I were talking about this just right before we hit record. One of the things that I'm going to miss about Game of Thrones and you you really nailed it when you were telling me this is that it was a community show. It brought people together and Friday, all the major news outlets this weekend, final episode of Game of Thrones this morning, they're all saying no spoiler, no spoiler, but oh my God, you know, 18 million people watched it last night. 11 million people are suspected to call in sick to work today. (laughs) 3 million people are expected to show up late. I mean, it's. It, it, it that might be its greatest accomplishment is that it might be looked at as the last show that got everybody's attention because for the last six weeks, Connie, I have not gone to bed Sunday night before I have seen my Game of Thrones. And part of it is because of the spoiled world that we live in. I, you know, everybody's just buying for content and views that I'm afraid of waking up and finding out that, you know, the three dragons, Huey, Dewey, and Louie have all died and I'll be heartbroken. But there's something about like last night, my wife knew what it meant to me. And she said, you know what? Dinner's done. Go ahead and watch it. So I, she pulled out her laptop. She did work. I put my headphones on and I watched it about 7 o'clock out here when we get it. You know, we get it at six p.m. and uh, she knew what it meant for me to ride that wave as soon as possible. And that's very, very rare in today's world that you would watch a show right out of the gate or watch it live. I'll tell you what it means to me and to Stacy is uh, my father has been in the hospital for about a week and uh, we've been taking him food because, you know, hospital food is garbage. And so we would take him food. And for the evening, I was like in the afternoon, I was like, okay, if we go at this time to take the food over to dad and visit for a little bit, we can leave and uh, and get back in time for Game of Thrones. You know, like I'm scheduling my elderly father's hospital visit around. And so we're over there and I'm like, okay, dad, here's your food. Um, and I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, all right, Stacey, we got to go. We got to get back. We're going to get there in time because I don't want to be late. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be behind. I don't want to take a chance of somebody texting in on me and get ruined. We used to do this every Sunday night or every Sunday afternoon. We would go to my wife's parents' house and you've been there before. Big basement bar, like house yep. that's just designed to entertain the family. And it would get to be about 7.30, 8 o'clock, and everybody's still talking. I look over Beth and go, woke up this morning and grabbed myself a gun. She's like, yep, all right, we're Sopranos. we got to get in the car. And, you know, I was like in my chair at 8.30 waiting for it to turn 9 o'clock and like a Dumbo not watching The Wire at the time. I was like, ah, who wants to watch another cop show? <laughs> well, you know, you bring up The Sopranos, and I think it's a nice bookend. I hope that it isn't a bookend, but it seems like it is. Sopranos, HBO gave us the first water cooler community show. Yeah. Everybody you knew watched it. Everybody that you had you know, knew what was up, watched it. You talked about it. We couldn't wait to talk about it. We went through all the seasons. We waited during the gaps. We waited through the bad seasons and the storylines that were dropped and left and went nowhere. And they HBO didn't do that again until Game of Thrones. Yeah. You know, so that comes along. And then now it's, again, the same thing, you know, everybody having feelings one way or the other about the last season and the finale. I do love that before HBO, and I remember them doing this at other times, 
before they show you that big epic last episode they do that montage of like don't worry we've got other tv shows coming your way and as for somebody who makes their living off of a subscription service i'm like oh god hbo <laughs> i understand the panic of like but watchman's gonna be good too and we're bringing back the deuce one more time so if you like the wire uh, we got david simon over here like i love that they just like we're going through that whole montage of don't worry pretty little liars is coming back even though the book was only like we're already past the book we made up some more shit yeah and they chose good timing to drop the uh the jesse pinkman comes to westworld yeah. trailer in last night to have people who are breaking bad fans go oh but wait a minute maybe i won't cancel my hbo because here's aaron paul into a show that i kind of like but was feeling like maybe it's going away oh maybe i'll stick around to hbo let's yeah. also talk about this something else that makes it relatable from a content creator's perspective is that game of thrones is done and now thousands of youtubers are without a job i mean oh. think about how many channels and careers were built off of doing wrap-up videos or easter egg videos or one of my favorite channels and i recommend everybody subscribe alt shift x his summaries of each week of game of thrones is such a crucial part of my watching experience because it you know you relive the good moments and he does a good job of he's the guy that goes back and says this little throwaway line that kind of felt familiar to you and made your spidey senses tingle that's an exact line from season three episode seven when they when the two characters shared this moment so it's amazing how they they do such a good job of pulling that all together but yeah, you know, so many different content creators have rode the back of Game of Thrones and literally attached their channels and and their their whole network from this. So it got like Alt Shift X. My wife goes, "What does a guy like this do after Game of Thrones?" I'm like, "Well, he'll just follow the next complicated series like a Westworld or, you know, whatever movies are coming out and, you know, it, we'll get to this in a little bit when a uh, bucket of trash from House of Slime shows up." But there's a lot of openings where this isn't the last of game of thrones that we see. Wait a minute. Do I hear the dirty dragon? Ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> do I smell trash? <laughs> do I see seawater forming into the shape of a man? The King has a rose. Sean Mort. Welcome to comment below. It's nice to be here. Hi guys. How are you doing? Doing great. So glad you showed up for the council meeting in the Dragon Pit. Thanks. The, the small council, yeah. I um, I heard Westworld and my eyes, my ears pricked up. I wasn't even supposed to be here, and uh, I just heard Westworld going on somewhere eight hours away, and thought, well, I'll I'll talk about that because <laughs> I fucking hate the show. But man, that trailer last night was amazing. I'm sorry if you've already talked about it, but fuck me, I am a hundred percent in now. How have they done that? We Dicks. were. We were talking we were talking about how HBO right before they show you Game of Thrones they gave you that montage of the please don't cancel your subscription montage of all the things that they're working on. Good luck with that guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's begin our official dive in right now. I just want to know out of the gate. Hate it, love it or indifferent. Connie, you go first. Connie of Dixie. <laughs> I'll just say for me the finale was fine. It wasn't great, and I'm not going to shit on it. It was just fine. Whatever that tells you. Bucket of trash, <laughs> House of Slime. Wait, uh, what are we talking about now? Because I thought we were talking about Sneaky Pete. Are we, <laughs> is this a, what is this? I, I feel like we're talking about a different thing. Game of um, Thrones, bro. Oh, right. Sorry. I, oh, shit. Um, yeah, you know what? 
we 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 skipped a week, didn't we? So this is this is where it is. So I'm I'm all a bit weird on time because we covered like episodes one to four, right. and then we missed out five, which was just a real fucking barrel of trash rolling down Skid Row. <laughs> and then this episode did everything that it could to redeem that, and yes. it actually paid off a load of good things. So I enjoyed it, but I can't forgive any of the things that happened uh, last week. So actually, it was a fitting end, but it feels like we missed something. <laughs> feels like they missed something. It's weird. I have, you pretty much took the words out of my mouth with just with a little bit less spit. It <laughs> last night was a good conclusion. It was a, a good wrap up. I didn't cry. Uh, I didn't nope. feel overly emotional. And I never had that moment where I like jumped out of my seat because my jaw had just hit the ground and I was shocked at what I saw. However, you really saw them trying to be like, Hey guys, like there's a reason why Danny went crazy, right? Like we've been telling you this the whole time, right? Like we were just blind by our faith of her to not realize at that moment that she is somebody that is capable of wrapping out a nation of people and just destroying whoever's that uh, is in the way of her goal. So it was a lot of sort of like backloading programming and almost apologizing, which is wild because this has all been done and edited and, and sitting on a hard drive. It's not like they saw our reaction a week ago and then went out to the dragon pit and filmed a new, a new finale. Like they just feel like they filmed that ghost thing at the end though, <laughs> where he's patting the dog yeah. that they might've filmed that at the end. <laughs> I think that was like my hand. Week. I think they CGI like <laughs> me in there for that shot, but exactly, it, it did show a little bit of um, like an apology or self-awareness, or I guess the kids call that meta. You think? Um, I feel like they did everything that they thought that they were going to do. It just doesn't really make any sense. I just feel so... I, that, you, and you're right in everything that you said because I'm not disappointed. I'm not annoyed. I'm not angry. I'm just like, this is one of those average shows. Now, this is lost now. Oh, oh I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't, I, no, I wouldn't I would. go that far. No, no. Well, I would. I would say that it, it started out really promising and then um, lost its way. And that's exactly what Lost was. Like, Lost was still a good show, but it just didn't pay off all of the things. And it got too clever for its own good. And Game of Thrones, instead of that, it got too broy for its own good, is what I would say. Um, John Bro? But yeah. But what I would say it is... These two guys, the, um, you know, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff or whatever it is, they... Um, they can direct a hell out of an episode because it was a beautiful looking show. Yeah. Um, I just wouldn't necessarily trust them with a script. Well, my thing is I wish that we had seen a full last season now watching it yeah. through these mm -hmm. episodes, because 100%. I think that these, these um, character shifts that people have seen or think they have seen that um, feel betrayed by, you know, a, a character changing from what they thought it was, wouldn't have been so sharp given a tw right. 10 or 12 episodes right and it would you would see instead of just oh she turned around in two seconds on top of that dragon on top of king's landing and decided to be evil no yeah. she didn't she was telling you all along what she was and what she was about she was single-minded in her goal but she had a trusted group of advisors to temper her to mm -hmm. to let her see that she should try peace first and if they didn't, then those people were evil anyway, so burn them and kill them. But yep. she lost that very systematically, very quickly. Everyone is gone. And then to to imagine that everything she's done, everything she worked for is taken away just because John happens to have been born of the right blood and be male, I think was her tipping point. And the fact that she 
she did what I think uh, pushes a tyrant is she she was she was afraid. It's right. fear. Right. Fear or be loved. And she chose fear me because people will stay in line. It's easier to keep somebody scared of you than to make them love you. So you're saying just like the problems with episode three, um, we saw a shorter episode count, which made it posterized and we needed those nice soft gradients so that we could get that story, right? Like it was just like a little bit too turned up. I'm going to say this. They broke a major rule for me. My number one show of all times, The Wire. My second favorite is The Sopranos. Sopranos goes down to number two because I don't believe in dream sequences. Because once you add a dream sequence to a show, I now have to wonder if everything that I'm seeing is really happening or is it a dream? And when they showed us last uh, week going into episode five when they gave us this is what happened last week they added in the voices in danny's head to show the insanity and the madness of her you can't go back and add in from the week prior in your this is what happened last week like you can't give us a different point of view or a different perspective on content we already consumed another way to me that was a major major red flag that they were in over their head yeah, the, the turn just made no sense. Like, you, you knew that it was going to happen, or I knew that it was going to happen. I just didn't understand the justification for it. And then when you heard the After the Thrones thing, um, where the director explained what happened, it was a different thing to what I thought it was anyway. So it was just like, you haven't conveyed this very well in the episode if you're having to explain it afterwards, and it's the only explanation that makes sense. I, I, I really don't want to keep ragging on them because it's just been a really frustrating season. I just would have really liked... In the same way that Connie says, I would really like to have seen all of the things be paid off in the right way because I think that the story works. And the Danny thing feels like a disservice, like they just didn't quite have enough time. And they obviously, I don't know what decisions they've made, but they've made the wrong decisions with her. The, the, the main problem for me, really, like and this is this is um, more egregious, is who the fuck is Bran Stark? Like, who are you? What are you? Like, what are your powers? What do you do? Like, nobody cares about him. And he's the guy who's in charge. And it's like, it's like the, the I'm sure in the books, I don't, I ain't reading those books. I couldn't be less interested in Game of Thrones now. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. My, my watch has ended. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, I, I just think the books probably care about him. And if this is what they're going to set him up to be, then there'll be a justification for it because he writes and writes and writes and, you know, he writes things from people's points of view and it makes sense. But this, the show couldn't be less interested in Bran. Sean, he wasn't even in, it, in a whole show. We have, we, exactly. have, we have a celebrity who showed up today. As you know, I do the show from LA. We have a celebrity from Game of Thrones who oh. showed up. It's Bran of House of Broken. The broken. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, your opinion is exactly the opinion you should have. That's good. I'm glad to you hear You ask it. why I rule, and I rule for compliance. Com compliance. I, as the castle's burnt down, I'm going to put in ramps where there was once stairs. Okay, <laughs> but who I'm are you, though? I'm going to be Santa and say, sit down, Bran. Oh, wait a minute. You're already sitting. Oh, I'm yeah. already up, sitting. This is a comfortable chair. <laughs> yeah. We need more ramps in the castle, and that's why I'm here. I think... Well, go, go, go park <laughs> out back. I think... I was happy with him being picked, and I'll tell you why. Because... He's indifferent, you know, like he, he said that he doesn't want to rule, you know, he knew all the stuff that was going to happen. He, he, he let it play out because that's what needed to happen. Like in a weird way, 
I was good with the the piece of brand taking it because it furthers the narrative that we thought the whole time we were watching it. I thought it was a competition show the whole time. Like I thought it was an eight season competition. You get sent home if you can't make that week's dish. But what ended up happening was is when the throne literally got melted in front of us. It wasn't a competition to see who could rule next. It was the the demise of 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 this sort of power and the beginning or the birth of a democracy and people starting to vote. And and so I think that when you look at who, who embraces that sort of like, I don't have an agenda for myself. I don't have kids to pass it on. I don't have a lot in this so I can actually rule uh, and be somewhere in the middle with my beliefs. I thought that he was a good pick, but once again, this is like, making the last episode of game of thrones is like trying to make the next star wars right you you just you're gonna let a certain amount of people down so i thought it was the safe play and the neutral play you you've just explained brand better than um the entire eight seasons of the show did <laughs> so this is the problem i have no no problem with brand being on the throne I just, we need to know more about him and the showrunners don't care about him. And it's just like, yeah, he is the perfect choice. But but also, who are you? <laughs> well, well, I don't like the way that they, that Tyrion explained why Bran should be yeah, there. Agreed. Um, you know, what's more important than stories, the best stories. He doesn't have the best story of the people setting up there. I mean, if that's the criteria, it's going to be Sansa or Arya probably next over him. And why didn't nobody just say, shut the fuck up, imp? Like, you're the prisoner. You're going to die now. Why are you talking? The the rules are, Sean. The rules are if the prisoner comes up with an idea, then seven kingdoms have to, uh, six kingdoms have to follow it. Oh, that makes sense. I I, I can see that as well. It just, uh, they took a lot of liberties. They um, did. They really did. I didn't really um, enjoy them. So, uh, you know. I I think, though, that with having Bran be the the now the king and with him not having a direct heir because uh, i guess his balls fell off when he fell from the tree that you found, found out yesterday yeah yeah that new new news to us a lot yeah. of a lot of how does sansa know that did she try <laughs> sansa just put him on blast in front of everyone too like yeah you can't get hard <laughs> calm down dickless <laughs> so Brand of the dickless. (laughs) Brand of the broken dick. But with his brother's called Dickon as well. Having it was Rickon, wasn't it? Ah, (laughs) (laughs) Having another broken person, Tyrion, as the hand of the king, I think that you're sort of saying that these are the people that have kind of experienced the most, they're in the most neutral spot to take over to sort of relaunch the kingdom system and and how it works. I also think though that when you think about it. When Bran became the uh, Three-Eyed Raven, he was kind of comatose for a couple of seasons. But it's almost like if you had that much new power and wisdom flowing through you, it would make you numb for a while. And I think what we have seen is slowly his self-confidence. And, you know, when we watch all these superhero movies, there's that moment of them sort of getting used to their new, new realization of self. But he has had a very subtle confidence he hasn't said a lot, but he said enough to allude to. He knows where things go. He knows where things play out. And already a sign of 
of a, a good leader, he has the power to change the future and he knows that he shouldn't. So he kind of let things happen around him, which I would say is kind of like when George Washington came to America, he could have made himself king and he didn't. He realized that there was a better play. And, you know, the true test of a man is give him power and see then how he behaves. I think that that's all fine and well, but I don't, I don't think the show showed us that. I think that um, we were told that, and I don't think that that's enough, you know, in the same way that um, they turned Danny without really justifying it. I think that they um, upped Bran without really justifying it. I think that Agreed. there's a difference between, between saying something's going to happen and actually showing it. Like that's not plot, that's not story, that's not character development, that's just foreshadowing something. And I don't think that that's quite enough, but... Listen, it, it, it is what it is. It, it's, it goes down as um, in the annals of one of those disappointing final seasons. You know, it's like if, uh, I, I, was, I was saying this to a friend the other day, it's like if Walter White just continued to be a chemistry teacher for five seasons and then with three episodes left, shaved his head and was, became the one who knocks. And I'm just like, the, it, it makes absolutely no sense. It, it's crazy to me. But instead... Um, you know, people have to suffer because, uh, yeah, they just wanted her to be a baddie. I just, I, I feel really weird about it. Really, really weird. Well, let me ask you guys I'm, this. I'm a bit checked out now. Let me ask you guys this. Do you feel satisfied? I mean, I know that you're upset with the last season, but when you think about when you met these people eight seasons ago, nearly 10 years ago, when you met these folks and now you know where, you know, the, the living members ended up, do you feel like, it was a worthy journey. Like it was worth your time to watch it. Cause I always judge a show on how it ends, right? Because in Connie, you and I had a big disagreement about the final of, of Mad Men, because to me, there should be a very important reason why I'm shown this section in somebody's life. And it should be that I find them right when something big's happening and I ride this conclusion with them. And then I say goodbye to them. Once this chapter and their story is ended, do you guys feel like there was a reason to go on this journey? Did it pay off? Did you see a journey or do you feel like it was just an arbitrary amount of time that you spent with them? I feel like uh, my, the journey for this show is outside of the show. It's like what you and I were discussing before uh, Sean showed up to the meeting today that, um, <laughs> for me, what I've come away with this morning thinking about it is I enjoy that I talked with friends and strangers for 10 years about this show, that almost yeah. everyone that I knew watched this show, that we all had. It wasn't just uh, like a show where you were like, yeah, I watched that. And we, you know, went on. We had very deep, passionate discussions about this. And uh, so many of my friends, like we relate this show to like, we all have, we all have a Varus, as my friend Marius said, there's so many viruses around she's realized in her life now, you know. Are you sure and she wasn't saying virus? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but we all know people like this. And when I, you know, I like, so you can, when you can relate a journey you've been on a TV show to like your real life that that's a win. But when I can like have something that I'm enjoying, I'm entertained by it. I was entertained right. for 10 years to the, the best of entertainment. Did it stick the landing? Did it do what I wanted it to do because I'm so passionate about a couple of characters? No, but I feel like this show was always about the Starks from the beginning to the end. It's yeah. like when you and I talk about Mad Men, yeah. it's like people are like, Oh, Mad Men, Don Draper. And it's like, no, this for some people, this show was about Peggy, you know, or it was about yeah. Peggy and Don's relationship. Um, character assassinations at the end of a show also happened in Mad Men, you know, so, and I don't look badly on that. Joan, ha Joan was one of the greatest characters ever and they completely destroyed her character and they, they yeah. weren't in a rush and they did that. Um, 
so for me, it was more about, like I said, it, Game of Thrones is like a is like a thing that lives for me outside of the fact that I maybe was disappointed with who ends up on the throne or how quickly they wrapped it all up. If they had a few more episodes, I would, in my mind, like to think that we felt better about it. But still, it, it's it's you can't take away what it did and what you felt about it for ten years. For me, I can't. I'm not that quick to drop something I care about. I mean, they could have did two more seasons and did one season where it ended with the fall of the Night's King, and they could have did a way better at pacing that out, telling that, like, maybe he wins around, they win around. Like, that could have been a solid eight episodes. And then the fall of Cersei into the the, the evil rise of Danny that could have also been a season. And to cram all of that in to six episodes, you know, under 10 hours is, is, is a lot. It's a lot to fit it in there. Yesterday... Uh, a friend of mine, we call him William of Cobra. He wrote me and said, <laughs> predictions on how it all... Do you mean Varys? Our <laughs> Varys? <laughs> yeah. Is what you mean. Okay. To, to predict how it all... He said, what's your prediction on how it all ends? And I wrote him and I have a screenshot of this text. I said, you know, I'm going to go with the disappointing way that it's been and say that nobody gets the throne and it gets destroyed and in the end greed wins and when the throne started getting melted i said this is a weird show in that we didn't get any of the things we were promised we thought we were going to see somebody get the throne we kind of did then the throne gets dismantled but it was like everybody kind of ended up exactly where they started like john's kind of back to being an outsider and back you know north of the wall where he kind of got his first you know uh big step out on his own away from the shadow of being the half uh stark and when you look at um all the different characters and where they ended up it's kind of like everybody is who they were in the beginning like there wasn't a lot of major twist or or change or you know i wonder why did i see this journey because it's kind of now just how it was before we showed up with a couple of things switched around and a lot of people dead yeah i i i agree with that i think that um they 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 went very far to um to not go very far yeah <laughs> it seems that way it really does i um yeah I, I don't know how to reconcile with that i think that they um i think that they just fucked it up and as connie said it doesn't ruin everything it's a shame you know i still enjoyed watching it and i still loved certain aspects of it and it was a roller coaster but i still enjoy talking about it all the time i just ultimately you know i've seen worse tv shows and i've stuck with worse tv shows and yeah there are more enjoyable worst TV shows that I watch, but it's just that um, this one didn't quite hit the way that you thought it would. This is this is what I think. Um, so now, you know, we feel I feel a little bit burnt out on it um, now. So I I think that Game of Thrones, that HBO, and probably whoever, some of the showrunners, maybe not D and D, but like you know Brian Cogman or whatever, I think that they were probably setting up an Arya sequel for sure. For sure. Now, now, how do we feel about that right now? Um, last night when Arya was on the boat and she starts walking forward, I was sitting there going, please let her walk up there and be standing beside Yara Greyjoy. And they are both on that <laughs> boat going west of Westeros. And we're going to have some crazy 
lesbian uh, assassin pirate adventurer sequel come up. Well, you're not going to stop until you make every show gay. I'm not. I'm not. not. I mean, come on. Arya is is not. The stuff with Gendry just confirmed it for her. (laughs) I feel for sure. And Yara, we already know she's gay. So, but anyway, yeah, off of that, yeah, I I would love to see that. And I think people would embrace that type of of a sequel. But like, what is it and where does she go and what does she get into? I have no idea. But I think that character is so strong that it would bring an audience. So take away the gay shit. Um, the gay stuff. I don't mean. I didn't mean that in a derogatory way. Uh, Take away all of that. You could have said it more I, harsh. I know, and I don't mean it in that way at all. But like, so I understand what you're saying. But yeah. but for me, my point is that I just I'm not interested. I'm kind of burnt out on that character. She was good, but I'm just like I don't want to see the further adventures of Game of Thrones anymore. I'm just like I'm I'm happy to kind of let it lie, and I'm sure I will. But it's not like. Better Call Saul, is it? I don't feel in the same way that I did then, where it's just like, oh, fucking give me more of this now. And this new sequel, this West Westworld, um, Aaron Paul, uh, <laughs> Breaking Bad sequel that they're making. I'm, I'm interested in that, but I, I don't really care about the sequel. And to the point where these prequels, I'm not really interested. Like it's got Naomi Watts in, and I couldn't be more interested in Naomi Watts. But I also just think I don't really want to watch um, the further adventures of Game of Thrones at this point. And... It's all because they've they they've shown themselves to be incompetent at telling <laughs> at telling the right stories. So I'm just like, I, do I want to just watch more mess? Do you think Jesse Pinkman took his drug money and invested it, invested that in Westworld? Like, do you think the? I think he did. Oh, that's yeah. a what a what a way to play the market. You, okay, there's enough loose ends to do because I know that they're thinking they're they just started shooting the prequel. And yeah. I think coming out with a prequel next year is too soon. I think that they should at least take two years off, maybe three years off, and just give it room to breathe and have people wanting more. Because right now it's so divisive on how people feel about it that what happens with space, you know, you create you you create new memories, new narratives, and you you miss things and you love things more than what you did. And just well, like we need to, people to get excited, we need yes. almost like need his his next book is what we need now and for people so, to kind of forget about the mess. And I think that they're already in production of the prequel. All people that we don't know thousands of years ahead of time, and with somebody else writing these stories, I feel like that that's pretty doomed. But if they do prequel and then they follow it up, you know, let's say that the the prequel runs for three or four years, and let's say five years from now they do a series about Arya and you know, John's still around. Um, God damn it. What is her older sister's name? I'm trying so hard. Sansa. Sansa. Lady Sansa. These fucking names. Queen of the North. Queen of the North. She's still around. Tyrion's still around. You know, there's, there's enough bits and pieces to, to do something. Could they bring everybody back? I don't know. I tell you this right now, Jon Snow in real life, his career's going nowhere. He's got fucking yeah. um, zero charisma. He he has Tim Riggins' future written all over his. Oh, yeah, boy, <laughs> you you called it, man. That's exactly it. Yeah, it's well, so true. Let me ask you guys something. Back to this season. Fucking so, what if? I, I want to know what you would have liked to have seen in this. What would oh, you have beautiful. liked to have seen, Danny and John? 
join forces and do what she was saying, rule together and and him guide her and her have the, you know, the passion and him have the love of the people and be like their own little Camelot, uh, you know, JFK and Jackie kind of thing, ruling Westeros <laughs> or like, you know, to me, that's like a romantic comedy ending for this thing. Um, would we have liked what would you have guys have liked to have seen over what? You know, not taking your disappointment, Sam, they should have done this or should have done that. What would you have in your hearts like to have seen? I think they should have done it exactly how they did it. They just should have done more. So yeah. it's like, you know, like we talked about two weeks ago, it was like the Cliff Notes version. The only thing that I think that they totally fucked up, like because everything, like, you know, the Night's King was bad. But again, if it had ended two seasons ago, I would have been okay with that because it obviously wasn't going to be the end. But when it ends halfway through the final season, you're just like, well, you built this up. But if it ends in season six, you're like, oh, well, that's fine. It's just this season's baddie. Um, the only thing that they fucked up was Brienne and Jamie. That's the only thing where they just like full on kind of made a mistake in, in this season is what I would say. Like that, if they hadn't have slept with each other, I would have felt totally fine with that. But everything else, I'm fine. I'm I'm totally, Danny should be the bad guy. I have, she absolutely should be. But it just should have happened last season and we should have known about it. I have one thing that I would have liked to have seen them do differently. It, and it takes a little bit of context. If Danny, if we would have heard the voices in her head earlier, like if it wasn't so rushed, yeah, I would have yeah. loved for her to do everything that she did. I mean, it was like really uh, heartbreaking to watch her just rip apart that city and burn up all the people in it. And yep. if we knew that she was struggling more with the madness, I would have loved to see John and have that confrontation with her. Like, what did you do? How are you capable of all of this? And then she says, I can't trust myself. And she commits suicide. I would have loved to see her take out another person that stands in the way of free people, which is herself and realize that she's gone so far that she can't control herself. I would have much rather see her take out her own life versus being murdered by John. Well, I was discussing this last night with Stacy. As soon as it went off, I said, you know, Daenerys wanted to break the wheel. She wanted to free everyone. She wanted to change the way things were done. And guess what? She did that. Just not in the way that she planned on doing it. Yeah, you're but right. it happened. It happened. Her death, her, everyone seeing this person that they loved and that they followed and that they, you know, everyone swore their devotion to her mostly that you wouldn't have thought that they would. And, and then to see her switch and then someone have to take her out. It's not the way that we inspected her to make changes, but she did break the wheel. Yeah. She did. It would have been nice to have seen um, what happened in between Drogon yeah. flying off of her and Tyrion growing a beard. I would have been <laughs> really interested in seeing because it felt, you know, it was snowing and then it was spring. Yeah. And that, that, you know, it seems like at least a few weeks. So that would have been nice to have seen that because that feels like all of that stuff would have probably been what the th what the first season was. You know, a bunch of like political um, yeah. kind of yeah. machinations. And I, that, I am there for that. But instead... The showrunners aren't interested. Just like, yeah. oh, let's just let's just do a long pause and we'll go back into it. Um, yeah, ah, they just. Sean, do you I feel like know. when they showed Tyrion uh, now as the hand of the king at his first big like council meeting, do you feel like yeah. that was their version of the end of Avengers one when they have the shawarma? I think that that was their uh, yeah. I mean, it was to a certain <laughs> extent. That was, their, that was their Lord of the Rings though. That was their Lord of the Rings. Like they really. 
they were they were like hammering all the endings and showing the book and stuff like that. It just got a bit too cheesy and it felt like a little bit out of place for that stuff. But yeah, it was a little bit like that. It was quite weird to uh to see. I just I, I would have liked to at least fuck. In those endings where they, you know, they go around and, and they took their sweet ass time with them. I looked up when um when Brienne, the night lady, when she was writing in the book, I pushed play or push pause on my DVR. There was 18 more minutes left. So it was 18 minutes right. of going around and checking in with everybody. I wish one of those capsules was tragic. You know, like if if one of those little capsules that we saw was someone not having a happy ending, it just would have made it felt more like the grit that we expect from the show. But everybody at the end kind of ended up on the journey that they had always been on. And like you said, Sean, they went so far to end up right back where they started from. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It would have been nice to have seen something a bit more, um, even bittersweet because even Lord of the Rings does that. Like, you know, they have this kind of goodbye, but it's, that goodbye is a permanent one. And even though you, you probably, Arya and John are never going to see each other again, ever again, really. But we don't know that. And it was it was a fairly happy ending. They all got to say the goodbyes and they all got to kind of live out their lives in the way that they would like. Oh, I don't know. Can I complain uh, about the goodbyes of the Stark children? It, yeah. It was literally like, and Connie, you'll get this reference. It was like Ola Mills came in there and set those kids up for a family portrait. It was framed too perfectly and yeah. this is a show last night where we saw one of the best scenes ever when Danny's coming up over the ledge and uh, amazing was oh. it, which dragon was left Huey Dewey or Louie was behind her Drogon. Drogon. yeah yeah Drogon. Dewey it was behind yeah. her that shot was absolutely amazing but then the three yeah. kids sitting out on the pier assigned in their spots by Olin Mills they were too stacked it was it was too perfect of a shot of like i was waiting for him to put out that little log connie where you know you yeah. cross your hands on the log and now have your sister put your hand up on your cheek like it looked like yeah. a school photo session out there yeah like if they had the little thing where it's a class of season eight or whatever that they had to put their <laughs> hand up on or yeah it's like well, and, and how early did they go down there like are they sitting there waiting like where the fuck is john at that fucking lazy frat boy where the mm -hmm. hell is yeah i mean you know yeah it was it was weird but the, those scenes with danny were fire the the wings and oh. and, uh, and how beautiful was being carried off in that claw with the, the sky and the storm and all of that stuff it was it was cinematically uh this whole season i think has been really pretty but yeah. not so much in the in the rushed storytelling did the dragon melt the game what's that sorry Everybody brought their A game. Like the music's amazing. Oh, the yeah. Cinematography's amazing. Like the CGI was mostly amazing considering the budget. The acting, for the most part, was incredible. It was just the writing. It's a just new the writing. It's absolutely a new standard in what we can all come to expect from TV. And, you know, at, at $15 million an episode, you see where it all went. My question for you guys is this Did Dewey know that he was melting the throne? Or was that like, was he just spitting out fire or was he like, this is the thing that everybody wants? Like how aware is that animal? Like what is his intelligence level to melt down the throne? Is that happenstance or is that like, this is the thing that everybody wants and I can take it away from you? No, he just knew he couldn't kill John. So it's like yeah. punching a wall at the side of John isn't it? So it's like, oh, I'm really annoyed. Yeah. I want to punch you, but I'm going to punch the wall at the side of you. Now, he couldn't kill John because John's a Targaryen and they, they know that because they have obviously this connection Descent. to a certain extent. Yeah, even though like John rode Rhaegal and not 
um, and not Drogon. They still would have known that, but it, yeah, it doesn't know that it's the sim- symbolic thing about the whole show. I, I, I can't imagine that anyway. Probably for me, the most emotional part of the night was the dragon uh. nosing her, moving the body around, waiting for her to wake up. Like that sort of animals, animals don't understand our world. That, that to me is most emotional, but also for me, the most emotional death was when um, Louis got shot out of the fucking sky. I mean, that was, that was super emotional. Like, cause he's just sitting there flying one day and then boom, one through the chest. And then to add insult to injury, the one that pierced him through the cheeks there like that to me, seeing that dragon just collapse in the water was the hardest loss of the season. I hate seeing animals die. Even if it's a fucking robot CGI one, my worst so dragon, my, sorry, my worst dragon moment was last season when um, Viserion um, got turned to the to the undead to the yeah. Night King's dragon because it's like oh he's a he's a good boy but now he's a bad boy and he doesn't know and he can't control it and that's the stupidest thing in the world but that's what I thought. <laughs> I, I saw. I mean, Danny was so devastated when that happened, and then it wasn't quite the same with uh, Regal. I saw a thing um, online this week, and it would have made so much more sense for them to have killed um, Regal an episode later when they were going to do the siege of King's Landing, because then, you know, Danny would have been up there. There would have been another dragon there, and then um, Daenerys—not Daenerys, Cersei, or fucking what's the mascara guy called? Um, who was who who was sleeping with her? The the guy Euron? from the Iron Islands. Euron. Yeah, he, him. He um. They could have surrendered. The bells could have gone off, and then they could have shot um Rhaegal with one of the scorpions. Oh, that would have been amazing writing. And then she would have been, you know, the the, the dragon would have moment. died. It would have given her a reason to be pissed off. Right. And then she could have like, right burned them all, and it would have been a way more fitting then but instead he just died without consequence and it kind of made no sense but again they just they weren't really interested they just wanted brevity rather than actually just you know show, showing things it was also actually make sense it was also wild that you know 20 boats can take out one dragon and make the other one run away but then a week later one dragon can take out 200 ships yeah. I, I mean, know. they just were all over the show on capabilities and boundaries of characters and what was possible and what wasn't possible. I don't know, though. I watched it last night and Beth said, how was it? And I said, well, I think they did the best job they could wrapping it up. It's an unbelievable task. And I said, she said, well, who lost? And I said, all the YouTube channels that were relying on making wrap-up videos of Game of Thrones. There's the unemployment line over at Google today is so long for all these channels. Like, what are we going to review now? We need another very complicated TV show that we can break apart and explain to people. How long do you think the podcasts can stretch out uh, and last that are devoted to Game of Thrones before the interest goes away? Like, you know, how long do you think they can keep that gig on the podcast going? If I was a full-time Game of Thrones, like content creator, I would be straight up into like, hey, there's a million people that didn't want a last season. Let's make our own on the podcast. Like I would be trying to tell new stories and keep that fucking party rolling, man. Yeah, I think there isn't going to be another Game of Thrones is what I, I think. I don't see there being another TV show that quite captures um, the zeitgeist in the same way. Not now we have such fractured ways of watching TV. I just yeah. I just don't see it. It's it's done because this this show came out right before the Netflix and Hulu and Prime. Like it came out right 
I mean, the storm was brewing, but the noise wasn't there yet. And it was able yeah. to sort of ride through all that. And, uh, it, you know, Connie, you said it earlier, HBO, they, they started and they ended must see like TV Sopranos, Game of Thrones and moving forward, everything will be fragmented because, you know, Breaking Bad had that sort of attention. I've talked to so many people that have never decided to watch one episode of Better Call Saul, which is insane because it's a superior yep. show. But people yep. are just like, nah, I don't know, whatever. And there's not even like that sort of fanfare behind Better Call Saul. So I, I really think that, as you said, Connie, this was a show about community. And I think the days of community TV is pretty much going to be behind us until something this big can break out. But when you look at our lives, I mean, Connie, you and I are in our forties. There's only so many star Wars. There's only so many Marvel universes. There's only so many game of Thrones. Like these things don't come around a lot. And to me, that was the biggest thing that I was losing last night was just one of those big moments in pop culture. And now I just look at the rest of my summer TV and entertainment and in game already came out and it's just it's just debris. It's just little rubble everywhere. Like there's not a big thing to look forward to or to get excited about. No, but at least you've got the summer game, summer movie game to get excited about. Though <laughs> you, you know, there's, yeah. there's a lot riding on that. So don't. Sean, you're really <laughs> excited about that, racking up your bonus dollars over there. The mayor of box office. You know, yeah, you know it. Fucking hell, uh, guys, I've got to bounce. Um, but it was nice talking to you, and uh, I'm sorry that it didn't quite work out in the way that we thought it was going to, but. There's always the next show, which you will sound be just like what? the Game of Thrones creators over there. You're like, I'm sorry it didn't end the way you wanted. All right, John. Out. I know. <laughs> give, before you part I ways, I need you to give it a, a rating. Like the eight seasons, 74 episodes. What's your rating? Six out of 10. Six, a, six, six out a of 10. D. A 60%. A D. Yeah. That yeah, shows I'd a D. That that. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> I, th I, think that it, I think that it had the potential to be a. To be a ninety, like nine out of ten, but I think that Which it's, would be an it's slipped so far. Yeah, but I think that it's now because it was never my favorite TV show. It so you give good. it one and a quarter star. Two, no, six out of ten is three stars. Six out of ten is three stars. Yeah, I think that'd be a two Come star. On. Six. Two and a half star. Two and a quarter stars. Three. You it's it. three. Five is two and a half stars. Come on, guys, do your maths. Three stars. So three, right, out of five is six out of ten. Yeah, you're right. Your math so checks out. That, and, and that's that's absolutely fine. Like three stars is a good show. Like, but I was going I told like, you before. I was going like sixty is like a D. So I would say yeah. out of five stars, that a D would be like a star and a half. Like I was converting yeah, like no. what it means, not number to stars. Well, but I'm seeing it in different ways, but I just think yeah, three I'm out of five is good. Way. That's that's good enough. Three out of five. Five out of five is impossible. But you wouldn't give it like I mean it just you're just saying that it's average. Yeah, I think that it's slightly above average. I, I really do. I think so that it, three and a half. I think stars. that it, it should have been better. You know, the, I, I, yeah. I just, I just that, that's how I feel about it. All right. So, sorry, guys. Well, <laughs> they rule hard, in the, but this is also your history. These are your people, and this is where you come from. So you, we see it as fantasy. You see it as reality. Exactly. You know, they could have told it better, but but they didn't. So well, well thank you so much. Bombshell. Bucket of I'm slime out. from House of Trash. It was so nice to see you. And hopefully, there's another Game of Thrones. We'll talk again. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll see. I'll uh, see you in a couple of years. <laughs> All right. Later on. Take care, Tell me guys. what's west of Westeros. <laughs> I will. Bye-bye. All right, Connie. That was one of the, the dumbest opinions I've ever heard, and I'm so glad that he's gone. <laughs> You're a dick. Oh, hey, sorry. <laughs>
Hey friend, I want to introduce you to a fun, fully customizable product that you can make for your clients or for your customers. I'm talking about custom printed notebooks from our friends over at jackprince.com slash circle of trust. And I mean fully customizable. Pick your interior page styles, choose between blank, lined, or grid. Choose the size of your notebook, pocket size, five and a half inches, pro, seven and a half inches. Choose your stock, economy gloss, regular gloss, uncoated, black, craft, pearlescent. And the best part, you can put up to five different designs all in one order. Put up to five different designs on the same stock, size, and page style, all at no additional cost. And upgrades. Choose your upgrades to finish them off. You can get them done in bundles. Well, they'll take the notebooks, three different designs, four different designs, wrap them up for you, or you can even add in custom pages if you want to put an inspirational quote or more of your artwork throughout the book. I'm telling you, you can create this and make it your own and there's zero watermarks. People don't know where it's printed. They don't know who made it. They just know that it came from you and it's wrapped with your creativity and your design. Start your custom notebook order today. Jackprince.com slash circle of trust is going to help you save money and with real customer service, free online proofs, and free ground shipping, plenty of room to make a profit or to stay on budget. Jackprince.com slash circle of trust. We just lost the uh, king of bucket trash. All right. Well, as we wrap it up today, Connie, where do you think it goes from here? Like, what are your predictions? Do do we see any of these core characters again? Do we see Arya spinoff? Would they let that overlap with the prequel because if they do the star Wars thing where they stack up too much content and people are already meh about it, like I think they need to give it room to breathe. Yeah. I think next year is a little too soon. Um, let everybody miss it yes. a little bit. Um, and then come back into, I don't think, I think going beyond two is too far. Um, but you know, people, like as we said earlier, you know, a year and a half between shows built up the excitement for us. We were, we could not wait for each of these seasons to come back. People were like, when is Game of Thrones coming back? When is going to come? Oh, next summer, I think. Oh, but you didn't lose your interest. No. So two years, I think. Um, I think they've already canceled out one of the prequels I heard that they were planning on doing, but the one with Naomi Watch, yes, is a go and already filming. And I'm going to watch that and I'm interested in it. Sure. Um, so I will come around for that. As far as a sequel, Sequels are tough. They are very rough historically. I don't think that if they did an Aria, you know, sales off like people are thinking, I don't think that we re revisit and see any of the Starks or any of the other. I think we hear about them. I think their their legend and their myths live on just like the previous stories that fueled Game of Thrones. But I don't see that we go back and revisit any of those people. That's it, it, a bad move for someone to make. It just makes you want for the original. My... If, so let's play fantasy, um, you know, entertainment guy or gal, person, mm -hmm. human. If I was the head of HBO or storytelling over at HBO, I would say this. Let's give it three or four years. Let's see how our prequel plays out. But then let's get our big cast of characters together. Those that are alive. Let's really flesh out some new villains and some new obstacles. Let's get together, do a big filming session and release game of Thrones movie. That's about two and a half hours long. Release that. Take a year off. Second movie, take a year off. Third movie. Like 
tell a big story, telling it, tell it in seven hours, eight hours, divide it up and just do what Marvel's doing with, or uh, what Disney's doing where, you know, one year you get a star Wars movie, next year you get an avatar movie, get it all together, tell a big story, break it up into three slices. Because I think that a series moving forward would be dangerous, but if they did it as a mini series or a series of three movies, that people would show up, people would go crazy for it because unlike a lot of things in pop culture, this show has a cultural footprint. Like people feel attached to these characters. We know their world. We know their kingdom. You look at something like Avatar. Nobody cares about Avatar. Nobody relates to that. Nobody had like, I couldn't tell you one of the characters names if you put a fucking gun to my head. Like I know that they're (laughs) from Pandora and that's a music streaming service. That's all I know. (laughs) But and they're called the Avi or Gave or uh, Ave. But if you look at Game of Thrones, like it ha- has that cultural footprint. I think that maybe what we're seeing with Westworld, um, I'm sorry, with Deadwood might be a trial run for how to keep the big series going in the future, but not have to have all the star power and people commit to something more than what they want to do. I, I think uh, Deadwood is a trial run. I'm looking forward to the Deadwood movie, but at the same time, I'm going to then be upset when that is gone also. So, you know, if they just end it and we got the series and then we get this wrap up movie and it's over, I'm going to be upset with that. But I still want to see it. I still want to see those characters. So I think there's an interest in Game of Thrones, but I wish they would do it um, like the Marvel, like the MCU, you know, now that I'm almost done with that, I'm down to three movies left. Man, you, so. your dedication to watching is admirable. I mean, you are my fucking hero. <laughs> we've in like two and a half weeks, we've done 19 movies, I think. Um, Let's say that I live longer than you. Yeah. I'm going to stand at the foot of your grave like John Hughes, but with instead of, or not John Hughes, like John Cusack, but instead of having a boombox over my head, I'm going to have a little TV over my head and I'm going to be playing one of your favorite shows and I'm just going to throw the TV in the ditch with you and be like, there you go. There's a TV for you to get on the other side. Man, that'll be please do that and that's that'll be epic i hope that happens i mean i don't want to die but that's gonna happen that'll be great um do it like that because as i'm watching through these movies i'm enjoying the fact that and the way that i'm watching them is through the story not release uh, order so i'm enjoying seeing players and 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 um see players i'm thinking game of thrones uh, actors and and characters dip in and out of the movies and then i know that i got a big avengers team up coming you know, oh, so that would be amazing. And there's, you're absolutely right. Yeah. There's enough, there's enough there there to do a standalone. Like, because they, if HBO wanted to, they could release two or three Game of Thrones canon movies per year. This one's about Arya. This one's about Sansa. Uh, this one's about Hot Pie. Like, they could totally do that. Mm-hmm. And then you're right, build it up to that moment where John comes back to help out this. To, I mean, you're right. There's enough there there where they could do that in short bursts. Yeah, we we see Arya's standalone story, and then maybe you know someone else's. You know, Tyrion, we follow with whatever intrigue he's getting into, and then they join back up. Now, they they can't do everything because there isn't enough of those side stories that hold enough character interest, I think. But a lot of the threads that they left dangling, maybe that's why they left them dangling. You know, uh, like what's going on in Dorne? Or, um, you know, we still got the, the lady that uh, I can't think of her name, unfortunately, that Cersei put in the dungeon to watch her daughter die. Mm. Um, that whole people what happened to the, okay the dothraki were just down there on the docks like chit-chatting and stuff we didn't find out where they were going now or what they were doing or i mean it used to be impossible stuff. to get them and their horses across the sea and now they just go everywhere fucking courtesy of fedex 
Yeah. So let's have a few rando adventures by players we know and love, and then let's all join back up for some epic things every once in a while. If they were, if they did this universe and they opened it up to going back in time and like going before Game of Thrones and stuff, um, the guy who played Aquaman, who was the head Dorothraki, Jason, Jason Momoa, Jason Mimosa. If they did a movie about him and his rise to power and sort of like telling the story of the Dothraki and how they became the most savage fighters, like that would be amazing to see something like that. Yeah. And who doesn't want to see dragons? Let's go back and see some of that original dragon tale, you know, and or uh, I mean, I guess there's no other dragons. So Drogon is going to be the last of his kind, but maybe not. I mean, they thought they were gone once. Is this? TV's equivalent. Now I know that there's a different hierarchy in entertainment and the way that we look at things, but did we just watch TV Star Wars? Like, is this a is Game of Thrones TV's equivalent to a Star Wars or Marvel Universe, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones? Is it at that level? I, I think so. I mean, it's it's as good as or better than some of those properties. I agree. And it's why, I mean, that's the thing when people are like, oh, I, I, I'm done with this show. I hated it, the ending. I didn't like this season. I'm done with it. Then you know what? You never gave yourself over to it anyway, and they gave you enough to be attached to it. They gave you enough to to make you care about it, obviously, because so many people feel so passionately about one character's turn. That tells you something. Yeah. Is it a failure that people... You know, did you fail that character or and the people watching or did you give them something for 10 years that they invested in and were hurt by? How many people wanted to see her actually win that throne? But you know what? Maybe in their mind, it wasn't the best story to tell. There was definitely enough passion there and enough obsession over it to where whether people hate the last episode, last 10 minutes, last season the community they built and the passion they built, that's the real achievement of this series and what HBO was able to accomplish. And when you have this many podcasts and YouTube channels and TV appearances and people breaking it down and us doing an emergency recording, cause we wanted to cover this and let, you know, our community feel like that they got to watch it with us and hear our opinions on it. Like that's the real win. And for somebody who gets up every day and tries to entertain an audience, it's like, I decided to leave design and become a full-time podcaster when I realized that the connection that I was making with people, going on flights, riding in cars, walking dogs, hanging out in the emergency room with people, getting them through long work days, making Fridays more fun, you know, making them cry when bad things happen to me or the cast of characters and making them happy when somebody on the show wins a success. Like that connective tissue, that is the most valuable thing that a content creator could ever have. And at the level of Game of Thrones and HBO, that means an, an insane amount of popularity, fan base, loyalty, but it also means money and ratings and survival for a lot of people to keep their jobs. at and yeah. now owns HBO. It's a little bit of a different company. I hope they guard the throne, the melted throne. I hope they guard it well because this really is a gold mine and it could be taken away with a couple of sloppy moves or it could go on to be one of the greatest things that we watch for the next 20 years. Yeah, when I made the similar decisions to stop the print mafia stuff and, and you know, throwing so many things against the wall and seeing what sticks and focusing on one thing and then also deciding that what I enjoyed doing was trying to tell a story for a longer time, which is what I do with, with my work with Coulter, is try to tell a story of 
of visuals to go along with music to an extended group of people and then hear their feedback about it and see what it means to them and, you know, have a longer, you know, content creation for someone yeah. rather than just random bands that I'm doing one thing for here and there and other and never building any sense of community with anyone. It's like we've built a sense of community there around someone. T I'm not telling those stories. Coulter's telling those stories, but I'm putting visuals and making a can helping make a connection with the people who enjoy that stuff. And co content creating is really hard. You, you and I both know that from podcasts. I can't imagine on the level of game of Thrones. Well, the, you know, the, the part of the story last night, obviously, uh, the dragon, you know, dealing with Danny, like that whole nature, not understanding humanity thing that that's a weakness for me. That's why I can't watch most Disney cartoons. The part of the story that really resonated with me and felt like it was talking to me as an individual and it made their world seem similar to mine was when, when Tyrion gave his monologue about story, he was really speaking the voice of the producers of the show and what they've been able to accomplish. And he was almost yep. saying, regardless of what happens next on who we finally give you the payoff that you've been showing up for, for 75 times now. Whoever becomes the king, whether you're disappointed with our king decision or the future of all of our characters, it's always been about story. And that's what people care about the most. And that's why you've been showing up each and every week, every season, even when we needed to take two years off at a time. That to me was the heart of the show and them saying thank you and saying, this is what it's really about. We're going to give you your grand finale, but what it's really been about is the story. And like you said earlier... These are people that we know. We have people, you know, you watch something like this and you think about it. And I had a breakthrough in 2017. I'm, I'm not a big fan of our president, but I thought about it. I'm like, the moment that I saw King Joffrey die, I was relieved. And then I was saddened because how much I was going to miss hating King Joffrey. And I had this moment, I go, oh. But if Trump goes away, what will I do with all my time? Because I hate him as if it's a sport. And what would my life be like without my dictator? So I think that maybe I'm in love with the guy, even though it's a love of hating the person. And so I think when he gave that monologue about story, that really spoke to me and on the mission that I'm on. And, and you know, you and I, a lot of time when we talk about things, characters that we love, we talk about a hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that that little moment really sort of brought home, this is what they are trying to accomplish, why we showed up. And then once they got that sort of narrative out of the way, like, all right, here's your grand finale, you, you dorks. Yeah, I, I totally agree um, that I, I'm not going to hold the, we've said it a bunch of times during this episode, they rushed it. I don't know what led them to say, let's just shorten it down and cram it all in. I wish they hadn't have done that. They rushed it, but I'm not going to hold that against everything else that I got from this. I'm just not that quick to dismiss. I'm just not. Uh, the fact that the last couple of episodes had a few things wrong with them and they were rushed and the point of views were a little skewed. It doesn't ruin, you know, it's like when you have a kid, that kid's going to disappoint you in life. That kid is going to do things when you're older. They're not going to marry the person you think they should marry. They're not, you're not going to like who they date. You're not going to like the decision they made, the clothes they wear with the music they listen to it, you still love that kid. But Connie, okay, let me ask you this because you and I understand this because we've had jobs that are very similar to the game of Thrones 
producers and creators. At that level of success and that level of financial success and having that much creative control, because really every artist at the end of the day, you want control of your art. They had all the control that they could need. And I know money doesn't bring you happiness, but money does bring you financial freedom and peace of mind. So these guys are done struggling in their life. You know, they're sending their kids to the nice private schools. They've paid off their homes. They have retirement funds. So money's no longer in the way. They have all the creative freedom. I wonder what makes an artist at that point say, I'm sick of doing this. Like, I mean, I could tell you from personal experience. You go know ahead. Please explain to me why just, they didn't want to do it anymore. There, there must be, they're, they're just done with it. They can't put any more energy into it. They don't see any other fulfillment for them from it. And it's great and they love it and what they did will stand the test of time, but they have to get out. They've got other things they want to do. They don't want to do this for another two, three. Se- they can't see themselves getting up every day and going and doing whatever it is that that person, that those two guys do every day involved with the show. It's, it's a, had to be a personal experience that they just don't have it in them anymore. I mean, I could understand driving to, to the set leaving their beautiful gated home and their nice leather chair and their car climate control <laughs> driving down sunset Hollywood Boulevard. Like I can understand in that commute going when this castle shit's over with, I would really love to tell a story about this. You know, I got, the, we got a call from Lucasfilm and I think that this is the part of the star Wars story that I could tell really, really well, you know, the Knights of the old Republic and, and sort of the, the, the um what is it the the legacy that led up to the jedi or sort of the 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 chivalry or the 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 guard of that universe like i could understand wanting other challenges but i don't know man i think it takes a certain kind of artist or a special kind of artist to be able to walk away from that level of success when the world is saying two more seasons you know what do you want how, when do you need to do them? How much, you know, like, we'll throw all the chips your way, just make more. And you go, no, I've had enough. I think that takes a special kind of person to walk away. Cause you and I have walked away for reasons, but it's never been because of too much success. <laughs> no, certainly <laughs> not. Um, and you know, maybe there, I would say, I would have thought maybe there's internal strife also. Maybe it's two people, you know, that's why a band can't stay together. It's why a two-person design team can't stay together. At some point, your personal growth leads you to say, I've done this now and I don't right. want to do it anymore. And maybe I don't want to do it with these particular people because we've done the best we can do with it. And maybe they don't want to be the show that went on two seasons too long. Well, there is a move there of leaving when everybody, you know, because one of my favorite things about um, uh, that thing that you do, Tom Hanks is the band manager. He always makes the band leave the stage with the audience wanting more. They want to run out and play another song. He goes, no, 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 no. You always leave them wanting more. And leaving at season eight versus making it to season 10, definitely they rode that wave. And people are like, oh my God, six episodes. I can't believe it's already over. Like they definitely rode that wave versus a thing like Lost. And Sean is a madman saying that this ending was like Lost. Lost is a show that was seriously too long, too late at the party. And, you know, they were basically cleaning up the party being like, come on, man, there's more cocaine showed up. Let's do two more. Let's, let's, let's party till sunset. Where can we go get breakfast? Is there a diner that's open? Like they stayed way too long at their own party. 
yeah, maybe these guys have actually studied television. You know, I would think that they have and and see things like that that went on too long and see things that said, nope, we're out, you know, like a Breaking Bad and, and shows like that where they just they just get out, you know. Now, granted, they shot their last scene months ago and they did their last edit and gave HBO their last upload to the servers. And, you know, it's been done for a while. But imagine being those guys and waking up today. And mm-hmm. going out on your patio or stepping outside or taking your kid to school or doing whatever you do and just being like, it's officially over. I'm no longer Game of Thrones guy. I can be whatever guy I want to be starting today. All the characters too, all the actors, you know, all these people, there's probably some people that are just like, fuck. I held that boom mic for the last eight seasons. Daddy needs to get another job. Okay. On that point of the major actors in this, who do we think has a career to go do something else? Still, we, we know Jon Snow does not. Jon Snow is going to go the uh, Taylor Hawkins. Is that his name? Or Taylor Hitch? Taylor. Taylor Kitch. Kitch. Yeah. He's going to go that route. I'm, I'm going over to the IMDB right now. I want to, I want to, I want to see these creatures before I tell them how they're going to fail miserably like I have in life. Um, okay. So we already know that my prediction for Jon Snow is just, he was really good at doing Jon Snow and nothing else. Emily Clark is already on a roll. She's one of the real big takeaways. Peter yeah. Dinklage can do whatever he wants for the rest of his career career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that Cersei given the right product can shine, but her and her team really have to pick the right thing because she wasn't that great in that Terminator reimagining on Fox. Mm. Like I've seen her in other projects where she was a little stiff. So they need to find the right project for her. She has a new project coming out. I believe it's a series with the fellow that played Jorah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I would say that, uh, Cersei, Obviously, her career is already on fire. She has uh, Dark Phoenix coming out. No, that's Sophie. Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner. But she uh, played Sansa. 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 I'm sorry. Sorry. And then uh, I think that Arya, I don't see a big future for her. She has two. Her look is too defined. She's one of those people that was a very cute child, but she's become an odd looking adult. And yeah. I don't see. She has the Christina Ricci. Yes. Effect. Yes. Kind of like, <laughs> looks like a bobblehead. Um, I think that Jamie Lannister, he'll be somebody on like a TNT USA network drama. He'll play like the second detective in or a Netflix series, but I don't think that he'll be a leading man. And then, you know, as you kind of go down the list, a, a lot of the other people will just kind of come and go. Um, I do feel like that there'll always be a, a world for Brienne uh, mm-hmm. in different sci-fi projects. Like she will just probably because of her height and stature and how we all love her. I feel mm-hmm. like she's got a place in a countless amount of fantasy or sci-fi projects going forward. <laughs> what about the, the kid who plays Bran? I think, uh, I think we saw Bran do his last, uh, acting <laughs> job last night. Uh, I don't think that he mesmerized anybody. And unless he has a set of talents that we haven't seen, I would think that that's probably going to be it for him. And he's probably hoping that everything that we said about them doing the Game of Thrones TV cinematic universe, I bet he's hoping that he gets to spin his little king wheels again. Yeah, I would love to see some of the second tier characters 
like together in some kind of odd project, like the guy who plays Braun and Davos and some of those guys being like a Guy Ritchie movie or something. Like a heist? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> okay, I just wondered. I think that most of them are fairly doomed with the couple of exceptions that you said because, uh, you know, that's part of the problem of something so uh, ingrained in people's minds and so successful is hard to see you as anything else. Well, and also they were part of a bigger cast a bigger ensemble you know only a few of them really held their own weight and could go out on their own and you know there's a show like sons of anarchy that i absolutely love none of those people have found a substantial home anywhere at all i mean it's just as if they should just always be that little motorcycle club because nobody wants to see them anywhere else and you have the character that played opie in the walking dead and Doing not a very good job. And Charlie Hunnam, who's an an amazingly good-looking guy, just can't seem... I mean, Hollywood keeps trying to put him in things, but he just cannot find that role that he's right for. Maggie Siff has been fairly successful going into Billions and other things. But she already had something going on before before, um, Sons of Anarchy. But Billions, that's a whole other conversation for a whole other episode. It sure is. Well, Connie, I think we covered it from every angle possible. Um I yep. I wrote you after episode 5 and said are you up? And cuz you know we got 2 hours between us and I watch it late because of being yep. on the west coast. I said are, are you up? Can you talk? And you missed my cue. You just started like talking to me through text like I wanted to go out in the driveway, <laughs> sit in the car, talk to you on the phone because after episode 5 I was so fired up over how they switched Danny and I always knew that when we did this episode I wanted to kind of end with you Looking back on it, these 10 years of Game of Thrones lines up in a very 10 important years for women and mm-hmm. for the the march of equality and feminism and the Me Too movement and, you know, how differently we look at all of these things. How was this show for that movement? How did it treat women and, and how oh. did it help? carry that narrative on or damage that narrative with taking the lead character who was a woman and making her crazy at the end because her fucking hormones wouldn't let her run. I didn't bring this up because I already brought up the gay things in this episode. So I didn't want to go on to the women's rant. Um, I got a proposal for you. I have an hour's worth of content on game of Thrones and the me and the me too movement next week. Why don't you, why don't you come on my show and do that? Am I welcome over there? You are welcome over in gay Twitter land. I mean, if I need to wear a half shirt, I'll fucking do it. And I'll be over there. Well, let me do we, this. Okay. How about this? We do an episode looking at the the feminist point of view, how it changed, you know, line that 10 years up with the 10 years of the world and how the show helped. Cause it was all tits in the beginning. And at the end it was women are strong leaders and, you know, can, you know, when, um, seriously, or, um, when Sansa was like, Hey, how about six kingdoms? I want to, the North can take care of itself and I want to be the queen. Like I really love that, that power move. And that's what she always wanted to be was a leader. But how about we do this? How about I come on your show? You run it, we do it, but we also release it over on the circle of trust. So my listeners can hear your show and maybe, you know, like a split seven inch. Yeah. We'll do like a simulcast, uh, like, yeah, uh, yeah, do a a real TV move with it here. Okay. We'll, we'll work that out. Cause I, I do, that is something that I could go on and on about and I think it would have taken away from the focus of us talking about our love of the show or our hate of the show um it's its own side little social commentary but I, it's really struck me this season a lot 
that topic of, you know, the women in this show. The fact that they haven't had a woman in the writer's room since season three. Yeah. Shows. Well, I mean, they let her in and she couldn't behave. So they said no more, no more girls in the clubhouse. So, I mean, they back gave her the a kitchen. fair try. Back to the kitchen, little lady. <laughs> <laughs> you go over there with hot pie and make us something delicious for lunch. Uh, so I'm going to say that it's not going to be a favorable rating. Um, I think it's just going to be, um, hey, this is no different than than real life. <laughs> or, hey, this is, uh, you know, the Handmaid's Tale uh, stuff, which I know you're not up on, but there's, you know, we're, we're turning into with the Alabama abortion ban. It is exactly Handmaid's Tale is happening. Jesus. So, yeah. So the show a, that I was due, the show that I said, hey, this is too depressing. I'm going to sit this one out. That's the one fucking show that becomes my reality. Yep. God. <laughs> Uh, give me something to be surprised about in daily uh, life but i'll already know it because i'm like i'm like the the connie gay brand sitting over here in the chair and i've seen the future <laughs> well from where you're from you'd be the eye of the crow not the yeah. raven yeah. <laughs> all right well hey everybody i hope you enjoyed us wrapping this up and talking about it and you know looking at it from sort of the creative uh perspective of how you do this, how you accomplish this. I mean, I always love that we look at things from both the fan perspective, because we are first and foremost, we're fans, but then also from the creative perspective and how they were able to do this as, you know, creative professionals and storytellers and the visual effects and the costume design, like so much art goes into making something like this. And I can always appreciate it from both sides of that coin because I am a creator, but also a huge fan. And, and this was a show that obviously for years I complained that it moved too slow. So I am in the, the rare section of people that likes how fast it's gone the last couple of years. But I think maybe there could have been a more even pace in the middle that was a little bit faster, but didn't skim over all the important story storytelling. But unlike Sean, I'm going to give this a, um, I'm going to give it a four series, four and a half stars. Um, Five would say that it's perfect, and I can't say that it's perfect, but four and a half stars or, you know, um, a 95% uh, or a 90%, uh, an A, you know, not an A plus, not an A minus, I give it an A because of its achievement, its fandom, its footprint in the cultural universe, how it pushed TV further. I love the characters. These are people that I feel like I know. I now miss these people. Um, to say that it's a three-star project is really putting it into a herd of other properties that it doesn't belong. I, I say loss is two stars. This is four and a half. I give it an A. I don't want to put it in stars because the four and the half are a question before me. But I'm going to give it an A okay. solid. I'm at an A solid too. Not A plus, but A solid. A solid. Because it is definitely cut above 95% of the shit that we've seen on TV. And Sean's got it at like 60% with the rest of TV. And I just think that that's too low on the list. But he hates most things. So it's I kind play, of his charm. I play at hating things, but I'm very passionate about things. And this is, I was passionate enough about it to say this is an A show. And that's why I asked you to be my TV wife, because of the passion that you have for all of these characters and places that we go through our little small screen, which isn't so small anymore as we rode the wave of technology. No, no. All right, everybody. I hope you have a great week. I hope you enjoyed the series. I hope you enjoyed the, today's episode. And until we see you next time, we hope that you watch something great. And next time we'll give you an update on the summer movie game because Aladdin will have come out and there'll be money on the board.
similar to mine was when uh, fear. God damn it! What is Peter Dinklage's character's name? Tyrion. Tyrion. You've only heard it and said it like five thousand times. It just they you. don't roll off my tongue. All right. When Tyrion, Tyrion, right? Tyrion. Sorry, God, I'm having a hard time. When Tyrion gave his monologue about story, 